Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Bruni, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on, Alex. The bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. It is first to goal. Ball spotted just inside the 10. Algier in. Wilson faked it to him and keeps it. Zach Wilson to speed and he dives for the end zone. Touchdown. That's Austin Nate. Gibbs, who is probably going to be the best pass catcher out of the three. Down. First down, he's going to get after it again. And look at the speed and the spark and the score from Gibbs. Just what Georgia Tech needed. That's Matt Bruning. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And it's Thomas Fields up the carry. Watch out. Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Austin, you tweeted something, bro. You tweeted your running back ranking. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Ohio State fan talking there. Oh, shit. That is why you come to the Debbie debate. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the time zone that's classy, bougie, ratchet. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate on a savage version of tonight's show. Who are the top 12 running backs in college football? Can Matt find running backs to rank who don't wear red and silver? And can anyone catch Bijan Robinson? But we start with Stuart Mandel addressing an interesting question in his weekly mailbag article on The Athletic. If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, there is some really interesting stuff always there, always covering college football. In that article, Mandel addresses if there was to be some sort of conference realignment, what schools would make the leap from the group of five to a power five uh, conference? Austin, what G5 school would you like to see make the jump to power five and what conference would you like to see that school join? It's so hard for me to just choose one. There are a lot that I'd like to see. And I, but I think the, you know, the kind of the common, uh, denominator between all the ones that I think of is they're kind of in the middle of a recruiting hotbed. So they have access to some of these players that maybe fall through the the fingers of a Texas or a Florida or an Ohio state or someone like that. Um, so I think that really you kind of, you know, starts to narrow it down to either a Texas school, a Florida school or an Ohio school. I know the top answer on the article was Cincy. So I won't give them, I'm going to say SMU who was someone that he didn't talk about at all. Someone that at a school that has, you know, a lot of history, maybe not recent history and really none since the, the program got nuked in the eighties. But I think, you know, they're in Texas, they're right in the heart of Texas. They, they so they have access to all those recruits down there. And um, I think the college football is just better off when more of these old timey type programs are doing well. And I think SMU getting that bump up to the power five, would give it some, you know, help it relive some of those glory days. So, and I think the natural fit is obviously with the Big 12, where a lot of their, you know, historic rivals are hanging out. I had two answers, actually. One for the Pac-12, one for the Big 12. In the Big 12, what about Houston? 
I mean, Houston is a high flying offense. They're right there in Texas. They are, they could probably get an elevate uh, uh, elevate the recruiting if they join the Big Twelve. You know, it's a conference that doesn't play a lot of defense, and Houston scores a lot of points. You got Dana Holgerson down there, um, you know, kicking quarterbacks out of the school. So um, I, I thought Houston was what one potential. Uh, uh, option and then i mean the right answer is boise state right i mean boise state joining the the pac-12 boise state has been relevant for since jared zimbranski was on the cover of the ncaa football game austin the ncaa football game is you're too young to know but it's a game the college game that we all used to play when we were in college you were probably watching you know Nickelodeon at the time anyway um but no I think Boise State is the right answer because they can recruit from California if they join the Pac-12 they could probably go down to Texas and get some players and uh and fun fact I met coach Chris Peterson walking down the street he was coaching for well he's coaching for Boise State right before he went to Washington I was going to the bet he was playing Michigan State I was going to the bank uh one morning and and I was driving, and the, the team stays in a hotel down downtown in downtown Lansing. I saw him. I pulled over. <laughs> he was walking with his son. He was walking with his son. I pulled over, jumped out of the car, and said, "Hey, coach, can I get a picture with you?" He was like, "Yeah." His son takes the picture, and while he's there, I said, "Hey, coach, thank you for Titus Young." He said, "What?" Because he didn't realize where he was. Titus Young playing for the Detroit Lions at the time. Said, thank you for Titus Young. I should have said, thank you for Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore was playing for the Lions at the time, too. And obviously, Titus Young went to go get arrested several times and was kicked off the team. And Kellen Moore was almost hired as the head coach of Boise State this offseason before deciding to, to stay with Dallas. So that seems to be the right answer for me. Bruning, who do you got that if there was conference realignment? Uh, would make the jump from G5 to Power 5? Well, unlike Austin, I like to take the easy answer, so I'm going to go Cincinnati. Uh, that's what uh, Stuart Mandel, I believe, put as his number one school in there. They they play Ohio State quite often, which I like. I think they'd fit perfectly in the Big Ten. I actually think they'd be right in that middle tier of like the – you've got Penn State, Ohio State, that team up north are kind of the class of the division for the most part. And I think Cincinnati could slide in right underneath them and be a lot better than some of the other teams that are in there. So I'd, I'd love to see Cincinnati in there, especially with that defense. I don't think Luke Fickle's going anywhere anytime soon. He's done a really good job recruiting. I can't wait to see Evan Prater there next year, at quarterback. So Cincinnati would be the team for me. Are you shaking your head? For Prater's good. I mean, he's actually, you're, you're picking an Ohio school. I mean, it's just the well, most you know, cliche. I, yeah, of course. Everyone I mean, with look, their I, every debate bingo card. Stay just, on brand. Just gotta you gotta stay on brand. Exactly. You know. Gotta I mean, stay I could have said Western Michigan, but that just wouldn't. But okay. well, they suck though. But, There's a difference. Like Cincinnati's actually a good school, so and a good team. Cincinnati, a good school, a good team. Brian Kelly used to be the coach at Cincinnati. He was formerly the coach at Central Michigan and Grand Valley State University, my alma mater. So whatever, I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you that one. All right, we've got like a. Really easy, fun show for you guys tonight. We are going to cover our top 12 running back rankings in C2C formats. Um, I actually got into rankings for the first time in the last couple of months, and it's hard. It's really hard. So I'm trying to, you know, follow Austin and Colin and be able to rank these players, you know, go 100 deep or whatever it is. So, but we're going to cover our top 12 today, our top 12. Before we get into that, Matt. What what are you looking for in when you rank running backs? What gets you excited? What 
allows you to put, you know, a, a player in that top 12. Yeah, so we, we talked about a little bit on our draft profile show. If you guys haven't listened to those, we do those uh, come out every Monday. We break down a lot of the prospects coming into the NFL this year. And I talked about with Jamar Jefferson because I'm much higher on him than you two are. For me, it's vision and that lateral quickness. I, I don't really care that much about the home run speed. What they can do behind the line of scrimmage is huge to me. If they can find those holes, get some yardage. I like when they can make players miss a well, – I'm trying to remember the exact saying here because I'm going to butcher it. But I believe the saying is they can make people miss in a phone booth. Is that correct? Is that what the, is that, how that saying goes? I like running backs that can do that. I mean, the power part of it is good as well. Javante Williams, I think you could do a little bit of both. You can run over those guys as well. I like that. But for me, it's mostly the lateral agility and vision for me is what I look for for quarterback or quarterbacks. My God, running backs. Austin, what about you? I'm very similar to Matt, and I think I fall kind of somewhere between you guys in the spectrum where I know, Felix, you look for, you know, the the big the big athlete or, like, the pass catcher. Like, that, those are kind of the two categories that you look for. And, uh, you know, Matt, Matt kind of looks for a little more of the elusiveness, you know, the, the smooth mover. I probably fall somewhere in between those. I don't know. I mean, because I, I sometimes I like guys from, from any of those camps. You know, you just watch a guy sometimes, and you're like, I like this guy. Like, I, so I, I don't think I have, like, a specified type. I just kind of, you know, I, like, I, know, it, I know it when I see it, you know, is that the, 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 the infamous Supreme Court ruling. <laughs> on obscenity yes you're right yeah yeah um, i wasn't gonna go too far into that but <laughs> yeah yeah austin no i i'm right there with you i know it when i see it also you know kareem hunt is i felt that way uh uh you know back when i was watching toledo versus western michigan his senior year um but you're right i mean when i see a running back lining up in the slot and running drags and running uh go routes and being able to use like in a in a substantive way in the passing game that gets me excited zach reed of Dynasty Dummies. He cited this stat a bunch uh, this offseason. Derrick Henry ran for 2,000 yards this season, and he was still, I think, 80 points below in uh, Alvin Kamara, who finished first in PPR formats. Running the ball doesn't really matter anymore for running backs. They have to be able to catch the ball. And when you see Jameer Gibbs and Aaron Jones line up in the in the in the slot, line up outside and beat running backs, I mean, it creates a tremendous advantage for your offense, but also for your fantasy team. So that's one thing that really gets me excited. And you don't see it often. You don't see it often where they can do that. So, um, but that's what I'm, I'm always looking for. That and quite frankly. It's the one position where I'm going to go to ESPN recruiting and say, all right, what was this guy's 40 time? How did he compare to his peers? What was his vertical jump? All of that sort of thing. Are we ready to do it? Are we ready to just jump into the rankings? Let's go 10 through 12 or your 12 through 10. Excuse me. We're going to go in reverse order. And Austin, what if I throw it to you first to give me your, um, your 12 through 10 at running back in C2C format? Awesome. I can do that. So I have three 2023 backs here that are in, that you know comprise my 12 through 10. Number 12 is Marshawn Lloyd, a guy that we haven't seen at all yet for South Carolina, but I liked him similarly to how I liked Gibbs and Bigsby and Evans coming into last year. I think he's that class of a player, you know, obviously unfortunate with the knee injury. Assuming he comes back, you know, maybe he's not a mega producer this year, but I just think his upside is so high that I couldn't 
drop him any lower than that. Number 11, Jace McClellan, the Alabama running back. And uh, I'm not really sure how that backfield is going to shake out, but I think he has as much upside as anybody there. And, you know, a, a top 12 list is not complete without a Bama player somewhere in there. So McClellan is the one there. And then number 10 is the guy that I don't even know if any of you guys will have in your top 12. I haven't looked, but it's Diamante Trianum, who's at Arizona State. You know, he's my guy. He's been my guy for a very long time. And I think he's just going to produce like crazy at Arizona State over the next few years. Felix is saying he's in his two. So you might, are you higher on him than me? I don't know. Oh, oh. we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Burning. 10 through 12. Well, hold on. Let's, uh, let me, I'm, I'm always no, like not paying attention. So Austin, give me a real quick who you got 12 through 10 one more time. Sure. So I got Marshawn Lloyd at 12. Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Jace McClellan at 11 and Diamante Trianum at 10. Okay. All right. All right. Here. Bruning, give me your, uh, your 10 through 12. All right, so at 12, I have Zach Evans out of TCU. He's a guy that came on a little bit at the end of last year, uh, high, obviously a highly rated prospect. I have high hopes for him this year in that TCU offense uh, to kind of produce a little bit more. I think he's got that NFL upside. And since it's the C2C rankings, that's kind of how I attacked a lot of these uh, guys. At number 11, I have Austin's boy, Deontay Trainum. Uh, he He's very good. It was hard for me not to keep him out of uh, – or keep – Try, my God, I'm butchering this sentence. I kept looking at it, and the more and more I looked at it, there's just no way I could keep him out of my top 12. Uh, you know, if you guys saw who I had at 13, you know, I'd probably get crucified for that. So I thought 11 was a right around a fair spot for him. It's Raymond Davis. I'll just say it. I don't care. Raymond Davis is my number 13 running back in my C2C rankings. So, uh, but I like training him a lot. You know, Austin said it's his guy. He's been talking about him since we started this show. Uh, and he's been dead right on him. He he looks phenomenal. I can't wait to see what he's able to do next year. Having a hopefully Jaden Daniels taking another step forward as well, kind of helping out there. I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and then at ten, I have uh, Kendall Milton uh, out of Georgia. Now Zamir White going back there obviously it hurts him a little bit this year, but. I did a rookie pro and a rookie freshman profile on him last year. I just love his skill set. I think he's. Almost Jameer, he's like a lesser version of Jameer Gibbs, I guess is the way to put it. And and so I think he's getting overlooked because he's there behind Zamir White. He's got, I think, is getting, we're doing a lot of C2C mocks and he's going in like the second, third round. I think he has a chance to be like a first round talent next year. So I love Milton. Uh, he's a guy that I'm very high on. I want to point out two things about this TCU and um, ASU at Arizona State backfields is that both of those those black backfields are timeshares and TCU. You've got Zach Evans splitting time with Darwin Barlow, who's also a redshirt freshman and played well himself for TCU for an offense that wasn't very good at Arizona state. A guy that we've covered um, earlier this season is Rashad white, an older prospect who has the requisite size has some long speed, maybe not as much burst, but he can catch the ball and he's a very good player in his own right. And in C2C formats, both of these players, Barlow and, and white they may have nfl potential we're not talking about day one second first or second round but they're players who are going to find themselves or could find themselves on nfl rosters and because they're in timeshares with players that we're much higher on they're going to fall in drafts and so just for the audience that's listening i i don't think that either of those players are going to be in our in our top 12 so it's fair to cover them now darwin barlow and um 
and Rashad White are players that you should be paying attention to because when you watch those games next season, you say, hey, Zach Evans, Diamante Tranium, they didn't score the touchdown on this drive. It's going to be those guys. It's going to be Barlow and Rashad White. So for me, at number 12, I've got uh, Jace McClellan. It feels obligatory that you have to have a Alabama running back in your top 12 in some capacity. I, and, and Jace McClellan appears to be the heir apparent to Najee Harris. It's not going to be Kamar Wheaton this year. It's not going to be um, Brian Robinson, who's been there seems like for 10 years it's going to be it looks like it's going to be Jace McClellan and so for that reason alone that offense is going to be I think is going to be very explosive and revolve around Bryce Young so uh, you know it would be negligent not to have uh, an Alabama running back in your top 12 so I've got Jason McClellan number 12 I've got Will Shipley the freshman tw- class of 2024 running back going to Clemson a five-star prospect I believe he's the third running running back according to 24-7, to um, Travion Henderson and Donovan Edwards. Will Shipley is going to have an opportunity to start, have an opportunity probably to to, to split time with, I believe, Kobe Pryor and uh, and Phil Moffa, who's also a, a freshman, and folks are high on him too. But Will Shipley, I mentioned earlier, you know, I like athletes and I like pass catchers, and he's probably both might be the most athletic running back um, <laughs> uh, 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 of the five stars. You know, he's uh, he's clocked a sub four or five, just a very explosive athlete. White guy, white guy. If he was a black guy, he might be the number one running back in this class. So, And at number 10, I got Zamir White. I like the way Zamir White finished the season last year, especially in the game against Missouri. You know, it looked like he had fully recovered from injury. Um, but I've seen Kendall Mil- Kobe Pace, Kobe Pace, not Kobe Pryor. I got to think of who I was thinking of. No, his, he changed uh, his last name, so you, yeah. you oh, were he, okay. you were right up until like oh, a couple okay. months ago. Okay, all right, all right. So, um, uh, but I have Zamir White in my in my top ten. Just you know, he was the number one running back in his class, and he didn't show flat. He looked sluggish, but it's understandable because what, what he had a, a torn ACL his senior year in or maybe his senior year in high school. And then, um, in before, right as, uh, as training camp was starting as a freshman. So, um, but how he looked this year towards the end of the season, I'm like, okay, that's why that guy was as highly rated as he was. But again, I've seen, I've seen Kendall Milton, people that I respect, I've seen Kendall Milton rated highly amongst those guys. And so that is definitely a ranking that I could see changing in the next couple of of months or so. All right. Um, Austin, let me go back to you with your, um, uh, uh, let's see, seven, eight, and nine. How about seven, eight, and nine? Sure. So my number nine is Kendall Milton. And um, kind of for the same reasons you guys were saying, so I don't have that much else to say about it. Um, I, I always hesitate. I did hesitate to put him there for a long time. And he's kind of been a guy that he bounces anywhere from like nine to like 16 for me, depending on the day, just because like you guys have said, you know, it's not only uh, Zimir White that there that's there that's blocking him. You know, they have Lavoisier Carroll coming in this year. They have, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. I know I'm going to butcher it, so I apologize. Dejan Edwards. 
who I really, really like there. And I think he's and who really wears number 33 because he was the 33rd ranked back in his class. So he's so, playing with a chip on his shoulder. He's got that right mentality already. Yeah, exactly. And then they have James Cook, who I don't love as like a pro prospect, but he's going <laughs> to stay hydrated, Felix. Uh, I'm glad Dennis stops by for his pearls of wisdom here now and then. Um, yeah, like, and they have James Cook. And I don't think he's much of an NFL guy, but, you know, Dalvin Cook's brother, he gets touches there. So I think that kind of nerfs Milton for at least a year here. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's, I, I pretty have a pretty strict cutoff after six. And I think any of these guys after this probably have opportunity, uh, but not like a full fledged. So, um, you know, I'm fine with putting him there at number eight. I have Zach Evans and Matt already kind of talked a little bit about him. I, I guess I'm a little bit higher just because TCU doesn't really have a lot going on down there for him. They have Evans, they have Quentin Johnson, who I'm probably a little bit lower on than most people at wide receiver, a true freshman last year. I, I like him. I don't, I'm not in love with him yet. Um, and then, you know, they, Barlow is like moderately intriguing, but that's really it. They don't have a lot of else. So I could see Evans getting a lot of touches next year. Um, and then that's it, right? Or am I going to seven? seven. I'm going to seven, aren't I? So, and then seven is Kyron Williams, the Notre Dame back. And um, he's right, kind of on that edge of like a like I I I wouldn't be comfortable taking him in the first round of a C two C startup. But if running backs are flying off the board, and I really wanted a running back, I'm fine with taking him in the second. I think he'll produce very well there next year. You know, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's going to be a a PPR monster. And I think at worst in the NFL, he has like a James White level career. But I think he's a much better runner than than a James White type player. I'm just saying, you know, that's like his like absolute floor in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, and I, but I think he has the, the size and build to be a, a three-down guy. Austin, let me ask you about TCU. Now, this is, an, this is, not, is not on the show sheet, but I believe Max Duggan was what, a redshirt freshman? or I mean, he's a young player. He's an underclassman. It seems like unlocking TCU skill position players because they have some talented skill position players to you know, potentially have a competitive offense. Do you see some growth from Max Duggan? Um, to potentially unlock the Quentin Johnson and un- unlock Zach Evans and Darwin Barlow and company. And so I haven't, um, I haven't watched, I- I've watched some 2020 TCU, but not for, for Dugan or Duggan, um, to, you know, to specifically watch him. But from what I have watched of them, I, I like, I think we're seeing what he is, you know, um, like he's okay with his legs. You know, he's got a decent arm. He just like, doesn't have, he's not like, a, like he's a guy that can like th- it's like if you took somebody who had never played football before but was a really good athlete and you just put him on a football field and you said, like, okay, here you go, play quarterback. That's kind of what Max Dugan is. Like, and I just don't think there's there's hope that he gets any bit any better. All right. Matt, do you want to give us your seven, eight, and nine? Yeah, so at nine, I have Jace McClellan, who you guys have already been talking about, so not much more to say there. Obviously, I agree with you guys. I think he's got the the best chance to be the leader in that backfield there, has the most talent at eight. Um, I have Travion Henderson out of Ohio State. Got to get, got to get one guy in here. But I think obviously, you know, again, we've talked about it a little bit. If you've seen us, we, we've been talking about our C two C mock drafts, and Austin can correct me if I'm wrong here. He's been going to the back end of the first or early second in almost every single one of these things. He's got. I do not. Um, I, I heard. I'm trying to remember which podcast I was, I was listening to. A podcast um, earlier today who believes he will start right off the bat. I do not think that's going to happen. They will start with Master Teague, in my opinion, unless Henderson goes in there and literally 
is CMC reincarnate on the football field, which I know is who his comp is. I don't see that happening. They're going to start with Teague. Henderson will get some run. I, I really think you're going to get the most out of Henderson the next two years. Uh, but he's just too talented to keep out of my my top 12. And then uh, at seven, I'm curious to see if either one of you have him in here, and I don't think you will, but that's Eric Gray. Um, and we were talking a little bit. It may have been off air, on air. I don't even remember now, but uh, I know Austin is not quite as big on Eric Gray. I think he's going to be a great fit in Oklahoma. You know, I mentioned this uh, recently. When it may have been on Debbie Debate or Draft Profile Show or off air. I don't know. We talk a lot, so I don't know. We I mentioned it at some point. <laughs> Uh, for me, Rattler and that offense really turned around when Ramondre started going off and running the way that he did for Oklahoma. And I kind of see Gray going in there and being that for that team. He's a decent pass catcher. I think he's a really good runner. You know, I, I don't necessarily have him as high as some of the other guys. Like, I think I would take Travion over him, NFL type. Kendall Milton, Trainum Evans, but I think what he can do for you this year in college with Oklahoma and how explosive I think that offense is going to be, and then he does bring you that NFL upside is kind of why I have him ranked here. I, I couldn't move him any higher, and I probably could have dropped him lower, but it was kind of hard. This is just the spot I ended up settling on for him. You know, uh, one comment about Henderson is I think Master Teague's skill set lends itself to having another player involved in the offense. I mean, Master Teague is very much a two-down thumper, your 215-whatever-pound guy he is. Um, he is a, a very much a two-down back. And so I could definitely see Henderson very early on being used on passing downs, being used on third down for his receiving upside and and potentially you know slowly overtaking that role as the season goes on. However, and we've talked about this a little bit. Oh, I just I think that Ohio State is going to be a run dominant team between CJ Stroud running the ball and you know handing the ball off to Master Teague and what and whatever of the other two down thumpers that they use. That being said, I just because Master or Master Teague is you know a, a two down player, I could see Travion Henderson um, sneaking his way onto the field. Early on. All right. One, so one let's see. Really what do quick, I got Felix. Oh, go one ahead. thing. I just realized uh, I do agree with what you're saying on Henderson. And I think uh, Pryor might get some of that as well, like uh, Austin's talked about. I just realized I called the Cincinnati quarterback Evan Pryor earlier. I meant Evan Prater. And I just now realized I'm pretty sure I said Pryor. Um, and I will correct you on the Ohio State thing really quick. They are going to be run heavy because Kyle McCord is going to be their starting running back or starting quarterback. My God, I cannot speak tonight. He's going to be their starting quarterback, and obviously he doesn't have uh, the ability to use his legs the way C.J. Stroud does, so they're definitely going to lean on the run a little bit more once McCord starts. Now continue with your time. Why, why would you even want Kyle McCord to start there? Do you understand if Kyle amazing. McCord gets that job, Quinn Ewers is not coming yeah. to that school? Nope. You understand I, I already, that? Like I, I can, I can already behind Kyle McCord for two years. I can explain to you what's going to happen. I'm not going to like it, but I already know what's going to happen. So don't worry about it. I, I saw the future. Dude, I, explain I it to us. Soul. Because I'm not, I'm not Quinn Ewers going to Oklahoma and taking no, over when Caleb Williams is done. So Quinn Ewers okay. ain't going anywhere. He, Kyle McCord's going to start this year. He's going to start next year. 
And then when it's time for Quinn Ewers to start, McCord's unfortunately going to transfer because Ewers is just amazing. That's what's going to happen. But I'm okay with that. McCord's going to get two years. He's going to win us a natty in one of these two years. I truly believe that. And then Ewers is going to come in and uh, Austin, no, 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 no. I'm not here for your negativity tonight. And then Ewers is going to come in and win us a natty as well in two years as well. So and McCord's going to transfer. He's probably going to go to like an Alabama or something. And it's going to be, it's going to set up a great national championship in 2024 of Ewers. It would be 24 does that be the second year of viewers right mm-hmm. it'll be ewers versus mccord in 2024 national championship ohio state versus bama and i promise you when we're doing this podcast in 2024 and i'm right the celebration episode i'm going to have is just going to be phenomenal folks i think it's interesting to pay attention to the way that all of these stories are interconnected in, in recruiting we're going to be covering it here but quinn ewers kyle mccord cj stroud All of these stories are intertwined. And what happens this spring, this spring at Ohio State, it could have a potential domino effect on what happens in recruiting over the summer into the fall and as we get towards signing day 2022. So pay attention, pay attention. All right, I think I'm up here with my running backs. What what am I doing? Nine through seven, is that right? uh, Number nine, I've got Kyron Williams also. Kyron Williams, the, the Notre Dame back who, I believe Kyron Williams is a former wide receiver. He can catch the ball. He is a tremendous pass blocker. Um, you know, he's someone that, that's a coach's dream. He's a freshman too, and he's got. Well, he, he he's can. A he's, red shirt. he's he's a redshirt freshman, so he's eligible in twenty twenty two. Again, you're talking about a team that is going to lean on the running game next year because they're going to also be starting a a a. Well, not a first-time quarterback, either a first-time quarterback or Jack Cohn. And in either case, you need to be running the ball um, uh, if you're if you're Notre Dame. So we've got Kyron Williams at at number nine. I've got Zach Evans at number eight, the who had a much maligned recruiting process. And then at number seven, I've got Diamante Trainum. And you know, I have to give credit to Austin for putting me on to. This type of player, Diamante Tranium is what, 230 pounds, bursty athlete. I mean, that's it. That's that's all you need to know. Football isn't hard. Football isn't hard. These type of players tend to find themselves in good positions. And so I've got Tranium at number seven. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him over the next two seasons uh, and to see how he develops because he could have a Nick Chubb type upside. That's what I think. All right. So let's go back to Austin. And I'm not a math whiz. So let's see. We are going to what? What? Six, um, five, four. Six, five, four. So six, can five, say, four. Can you say six, top five, three. four. Austin, who you got? So I do just want to say before we move on here, the reason that I don't have Eric Ray anywhere in my top 12 here, because I think he is a very popular pick and I've seen him go in the first three rounds of all of the mock drafts that we've been doing here recently. If you look at Oklahoma's running back touches the past three years, like uh, so, this past year, um, uh, Stevenson had 101 carries, Pledger 95, McGowan 58, Major 35. 2019, Kennedy Brooks 155, Stevenson 64, Sermon 54, Pledger 10. 2018, you got a 164, 119, 30, 29 split. Nobody gets a lot of touches, and I think I'm just lower on Eric Gray as an NFL prospect than most people probably are too, including probably you, Matt. So I, that like just the combination of those two things, I, I just can't, I, I will, I don't have Eric Gray. Oh, maybe I picked him up. I, did I trade 
for him in one league. Maybe you did. But you, I, gave I, me Gannel, uh, you gave me Ganell and I gave you Gray. Yeah. That's what I thought. So that's the only league I have Eric Gray in, and I won't have him anywhere else. He's just too expensive for what he's going to be. Um, but jumping into mine here. So number six, I have Travion Henderson. And it's rare, I think, for me that I put a guy that has not played yet in my top, you know, seven or eight. I did it last year with Bijan. And while I don't think Hen- – and Bijan was like – he was my you know, my number one Debbie running back going into the year without even having touched the field. I just thought he was that level of talent. I don't think Henderson's at that level, but I do think he is a very, very, very good running back. And I just think the situation there over the past few years, you know, even if Ohio State's maybe a little uncertain this year, they ain't going to be uncertain for long. It's just the nature of being one of those Uber programs right now that kind of recruits who they want and can do whatever they want. So I think Henderson at number six there is by a couple weeks into the year might look conservative. I really don't know, but I, I would have a hard time ranking him too much higher than that without having seen him really touch a football field. Number five for me is Tank Bigsby the running back at Auburn. And I know that there's a big debate kind of a lot between people, you know, I think most people have Bijan number one, and then it's, you know, you have to kind of figure out Gibbs Bigsby in that class. But I have seen some people have tank as high as number one. I just don't quite see that level of upside from him. I think he gets a lot of touches at Auburn the next few years, but his running style is a little unnecessarily physical for me, which, you know, I like a physical running back, but it's, there's a, there's a time to calm down. You know, you don't have to to drag three guys with you and try to take some souls on every single carry. And I think Bigsby tries to do that a little too much sometimes. And I just don't think he's quite the athlete that, that some of the other 23 backs are. So I have him slotted into five, but still obviously a very good running back. And then number four for me is Jameer Gibbs. And I love Gibbs. I think he's going to be, you know, similar to Zach Evans, where he's just going to probably carry that offense over the next few years because there's really not a lot else there. But at the same time, Georgia Tech will probably hold him back a little bit in terms of his production. You know, you can only carry an offense so much. And without anything else really there, you just kind of become a punching bag. You know, we saw some Georgia Tech games this past year where they just got, you know, absolutely blown out. Um, so I think, you know, Gibbs is going to look really good in college and he'll produce, but it wouldn't shock me if he produces better in the NFL, just because he'll be around, you know, more competent talent than he will be in college. You know, I think that there was some concern about tank Bigsby after the bowl game, because he did not play in that bowl game. And there was some thought that, Hey, this is a guy that could potentially transfer, but I just, Googled it and it looks like he missed that game due to COVID-19 protocols. So maybe it's not some, I mean, I think we would have heard something by now if there was yeah. the threat of him transferring, but we've heard rumors about Harrison Bailey at Tennessee with the coaching change there. So um, that's one thing I need to check on is when these players need to make a de- determination, you know, whether they will or will not enter the transfer portal, um, but just something to keep an eye on. All right. So, let me just cover Austin's top uh, uh, eight really quick. We've got Jameer Gibbs at four, Tank Bigsby at five, Travion Henderson at six, Kyron Williams at seven, Zach Evans at eight, Kendall Milton at nine, Diamante Tranium, Chip Tranium at, t- at 10, uh, at 11. We've got Jason McClellan and uh, out of Alabama and Marshawn Lloyd, who missed all of last season with a torn ACL uh, at 12. All right. Bruning, give me your four through six. 
All right, so at six, I've got Kyron Williams. Uh, you guys have both already talked about him a little bit. I'm, I'm higher on him than everybody else, and I just expect him to continue to do what he did uh, last year for Notre Dame, especially if they bring in a guy like Jack Cohen. As, uh, or They brought him in, but if they end up starting him, uh, which I think is a grave mistake, but Brian Kelly does that kind of stuff. So I, I do think Kyron Williams is going to eat a little bit. Even if they if they start Buchner, I think he would be a great, uh, great help to him. At five, I have Gibbs, and a lot of it is based on what Austin just said. Like, I like Gibbs. I, I think he's going to be a great running back in the NFL, but his college side I do think is limited being at Georgia Tech. So while you're still going to get a really good running back, I think his – uh, his upside and the the points he's going to get you on the campus side is unfortunately going to be a little bit limited being in that offense. And number four, I have Isaiah Spiller out of uh, Texas A&M. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't love ranking him here. I, I like Spiller, but they've got, is it A-Chain? I, I, I swear I like say Acne for some reason, but A-Chain, uh, they've got um, – was it Arian? Not Arian Smith, uh, but Smith, who does both. Aeneas, who does both, the running back and wide receiver. You know, they brought in uh, the freshman this year, whose name is escaping me at the moment. LJ Johnson. LJ right? Johnson. Yeah. LJ mm-hmm. Johnson, I think, is going to be really good as well. So, and I'm just. I know that he worked with the footwork king, and he looked a lot better this year. I think he he took some serious improvements this year than he did last year. I'm just not a hundred percent sold on him being the second best back in. 2022 and that does affect my rankings a little bit more why i want to get that campus side for running backs i want to get them into the nfl as quickly as possible because i think their shelf lives are a little bit shorter than wide receivers and quarterbacks so i kind of aim when i do my campus to canton rankings for guys that i'm going to get into the nfl quicker and so that's the reason why i put him up here for uh, i like his skills set like his talent not sure what he's going to do at texas a&m but i do think he's got a little bit of a nfl upside no, it's one of the reasons why college football is so intriguing because there is always a new chapter. There is there is an infinite number of new chapters, always new characters being born and old characters dying off. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, you have to assume that he's going to enter the NFL draft next season, and you've got a highly ranked prospect in L.J. Johnson coming in, and a new quarterback that we all saw in the Elite 11. It was Haynes King in QB1. I can't remember if if Haynes King was in QB1 or not. But anyway, uh, a sophomore, a redshirt freshman, I'm not sure what he was declared last year. Haynes King will be taking over for Kellen Mann at Texas A&M. So we're going to pay attention to Jimbo Fisher and the what, Aggies. Is that what, they, that's what the Aggies yeah. are? All right. All right. It's my turn for my four through – Six and at number six, I have Brees Hall. Now, I am the first person to say Brees Hall because, um, well, he Brees Hall is a good player at Iowa State. He can be used in the passing game. I have questions about his whether or not he's an elite athlete. I have questions about whether he is a um, a potential first round pick. I think he's probably a second round pick, which is still elite draft uh high draft capital for a running back um but i also worry about whether or not he is a compiler in the big 12 uh Brees hall the compiler that's what i worry about those are questions that i have and those are things that i'm going to be looking for in 2021 i have isaiah spiller number five um he's a little bit bigger presents uh has a little more of an nfl body so that's why I have him ranked ahead of Brees Hall, even though Isaiah Spiller really isn't considered to be the pass catcher. 
um, that Brees Hall is, but I've still got him number five. And at number four, I've got Travion Henderson. Now, Travion Henderson, to me, presents the two things that I like. I mean, his comparison is Christian McCaffrey, and I've said it over and over again how much I like being a, be, being used in the passing game, preferably the vertical passing game, or being an elite athlete. And so he's actually both. So I don't care that he hasn't played a snap. Um, I'm projecting him to be, by this time next year, he could be the number two running back overall in C2C. And I don't have a problem listing him number uh, four, even though he wears red and silver down there in dirty Columbus, Ohio. So um, I'm going to rank Travion Henderson number four. Um, all right, Austin, let's go back to you for your three, two, and one. Yeah, I think in two of the mocks we've done so far, Bijan has gone to the same team as Travion. And, and you know, that's like their first and second round picks. And man, if you walk out of that's that, nice. like you could have you could have the two most valuable players in college yeah. football next year. Yeah. You know, uh, that, that that's a, that's looking like a steal at this point with what I think Travion can be. So I agree with you. Uh there, Felix is pretty pretty interesting. Um, so do you want us do you want us to do three, two, and one right now? I think we should do um, three, then two, then one, each separated out. Okay, okay that works. That works. Okay. Yeah. So if you Let's build up the suspense, you know, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we already know Felix is going to be dead wrong. So I mean, that's I mean, Brees Hall at number. Jeez. Oh, I thought you were going to correct Sorry. me for saying red and silver. Like no, usually, you know, I, I'm used usually to Ohio State. State fans, at, but so you're not Ohio even paying State attention. University. No, red I'm paying silver. attention. I, no, look, I'm used to your cheap shots at the Ohio State University. I Why know are you it's interrupting Gray, Austin? It's Austin's turn. It's you know Austin's what? turn. We're not supposed to be talking about Breeze the Buckeyes. Hall slander is ridiculous. I don't even care about the Buckeyes right now. Breeze Hall at six? Come on. Austin, That's like saying, oh, hey, Garrett Wilson's the 10th best wide receiver in college football right now. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Felix is trying to count where he has him in Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I know. He probably now. has him at 15. I'll, I'll look. I, I'll go look really quick. <laughs> oh man yeah i breeze at sixes because I, I think he's just going to be a monster this year um so number three for me is isaiah spiller and i have a really hard time really ranking three through five which for me was spiller gibbs and bigsby because like you guys said earlier spiller does have a lot of guys probably more than anybody else kind of in our top few guys here he has more obstacles in that backfield and i think that does hurt him production wise for this year uh, but like Matt also said, I think Spiller – so I, I think I said on the show before, I did not like Isaiah Spiller after his freshman year. I thought he looked slow. I thought he looked on a little unathletic. I thought he looked you know, a little clunky as a mover and as a running back and just wasn't quite showing the instincts that I want someone to show at that position. And then 2020 rolled around, and it was like watching a completely different player. He was listed heavier – but looked lighter. I was watching him and I said, it looks like he lost weight. And I went to go look at what he was listed at as a freshman and listed at as a sophomore. And he was listed heavier. So I'm assuming that means that he lost a lot of that bad weight that he had and turned it into muscle and just looks more trim. And that has helped him a lot with his explosiveness. Like Matt said, working with the footwork King, I think has done him a lot of good. You know, sometimes I'm skeptical about how some of that stuff actually helps these guys. You know, whether it's just, you know, kind of a placebo effect where they have a little more confidence or whatever, but he really looked just sharper and quicker. And I thought the way, because I mean, you can usually tell with these running backs as they approach the line, what kind of a, you know, what kind of vision and what kind of a runner they are. He just looked much more natural here as a sophomore. 
And I think he's a very good pass catcher. I think he's an underrated pass catcher. I think he profiles very similarly to the Joe Mixon, Le'Veon Bell uh, prototype of running back. And I think that's a running back that's very successful in the NFL. And I think that's kind of his, you know, I think he'll finish, he'll be somewhere between those two players as a professional. So, and that's, you know, those guys have both hit first round ADP at some point in their careers. So I, I'm ignoring a little bit of the uh, crowded backfield just because I think for me, Spiller is improving and it wouldn't shock me at all with how much he improved from first to second year if he comes out the third year and looks even better. So I, I'm moving more and more all in on Spiller and the gap between Spiller and Hall is not that big for me anymore. Burning, uh, you had Isaiah Spiller at four. Who do you have at yep. three? Uh, so I've got Tank Bigsby at three. I still like him a lot. I think he's going to produce in that Auburn offense. I think he's going to be a really good college running back and, and a really phenomenal NFL running back as well. Uh, I have really not as many doubts about him as I, – I don't remember which one of you was talking about. Not necessarily doubts, but weren't as high on him uh, just because of his running style. I'm not worried about it. I think he's he's got the build for it. He's going to be phenomenal. Uh, so uh, Bigsby for me at uh, th- yeah three. And I've also got Tank Bigsby at three. Um, I think that my last my last uh, three running backs are all potential first-round picks. And where we've seen, you know, the 2020 class of Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift, um, I'm missing somebody there. Anyway, we saw all of those guys go in the second round. That is elite draft capital, and to say that a running back could potentially be taken in the first round I think that that's a big deal and Tank Bigsby you know early on I was talking to friend of the show Skip Newton uh, over at the Debbie Happy Hour about who I comped him to and I said I said Ezekiel Elliott he's got this physical running style um, and he's the guy that you can literally give 20 carries to and run your offense through But the problem is I think that Auburn is going to do that and he may have a lot of tread on the tires by the time he gets to um, to gets to the NFL draft in 2023. Um, But I've got tanks Bigsby also at three. So um, let's go back to you, Austin, for your number two. Two is Brees Hall for me. And I just think, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't object to yours too much just because I figured I could probably get my say in here. And it, <laughs> you can go ahead. So, perfect. Um, so I, I think Brees Hall is going to have a very strong um, uh, chance to be the RB one in college this year from a fantasy perspective. There is literally nothing else. They are really competing with him for touches and Iowa state has shown that they like to get him the ball as as often as possible in as many ways as possible. That means as a pass catcher, as a runner out of the backfield, they have built that offense really around him because I think Brock Purdy showed early last year that he cannot be trusted. He is a fine game manager and slightly better than game manager. I feel like that's a little, you know, a little uh, offensive to Brock Purdy, but he is not going to carry that team. That team is going to go as far as Brees Hall they know that I think at this point and that, so I think that he is just going to have an absolutely amazing year this year. So assuming no injuries, he's going to get a ton of touches. And um, so, and then I think he's going to be an early round NFL draft pick. You know, I don't, I don't think there's a day one guy in that class, but I think he's going to be one of those day two, you know, the NFL has shown that that seems to kind of be the money round that second round first for some of these running backs. And I think that's where he'll go. Uh, and like you said, among some pretty good company. 
I think I've noticed the discrepancy in our rankings is that my rankings are I don't I don't care as much about winning on the college side of C2Cs. I know Austin you do and I probably need to adopt your style a little, a little bit more. But my rankings reflect is reflect who has the highest upside at the NFL level. And my number 2 back is going to be someone who doesn't have that high of a ceiling uh, at the college level because the team that he's on isn't great. And so, you know, Brees Hall is going to put up stats. I'm not going to argue about that. Brees Hall is going to put up stats, but you know what? So is Ronnie Rivers at, at Fresno State. And I'm not comparing the two except for that. That's exactly what I'm doing is, com- is comparing the two. But I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying is that my rankings lend themselves to who, who do I think are going to be the elite producers once they make it to the NFL, not necessarily on the college side? So, um, and with that, my number, we're at number two or number three? We're two. Yeah. We're two. Okay. My number two is Jameer Gibbs. Um, Jameer Gibbs is a slasher. I've written something for about him on Dynasty Nerds very early in the season. Um, he has a Aaron Jones. Dalvin Cook type profile and in his freshman season we already saw him lining up outside as a wide receiver inside running drags um you know catching go routes from from Jeff Sims Jeff Sims couldn't throw the ball to to a Marion Brown but he could throw it to Jameer Gibbs and so um I, I think that Jameer Gibbs has a higher ups NFL upside than you know Isaiah Spiller than Brees Hall in these players. And so that's why he's number two for me. All right. Bruning, you're back. Did yeah, we get sorry. to your number? No, no you're I all right. Just, I, I apologize. We, we, co- we cover for nobody noticed. Anybody who's listening to the podcast, we're professionals around here. No, we it's just, all right. The show I'm, goes on. I'm just going to be a hundred percent honest because I've got to know. Um, so usually when Felix is talking, I assume he's making <laughs> making some bad judgments about the Ohio State University, so I tend to tune him out. And so I was watching a video. Did you guys see the video of Cam Newton was running his camp, right? Everybody saw the video of him going at that. Did you see the video, though, of the kid who throws, like, the 60-yard bomb that hits, like, a pillar in the back of the end zone? So it's no. like a like a tackling dummy thing, and I'm, I'm assuming they were like, I bet you can't do it. And this kid throws, like, a 60-yard bomb and hits it. And Cam Newton's face when the kid is like <laughs> – like it looks like you mother when he looks at it, it's just phenomenal. Is that so it made me laugh. So I turned off. Uh my two is obviously going to be both of yours, number ones, and it is Bijan Robinson. I love Robinson. He's definitely going to be the RB1 in 2023. Not arguing that at all. He's he's ahead of Tank Bigsby, ahead of Jameer Gibbs for me. But look, lived in Texas a long time. UT sucks. They always suck. And why Bijan doesn't suck, and he's going to put up some stats. I just don't trust that offense. I don't trust that he's going to put up uh, the stats that I agree. What Austin just says, I'm just going to give mine away now. Brees Hall is my number one. Brees Hall is going to put up those stats. And like Austin, I value winning on the college side. And so Brees Hall is going to give me that college side production that's going to give me that RB1. And I don't have the doubts about him going into the NFL that Felix does. I think he's going to be a phenomenal running back. So Bijan literally is like a sliver behind Brees Hall for me. It's just because I think you're going to get more out of Brees Hall this year on the college side. All right. Um, we are ready to – I think we are already understand who uh, my number one is, who I believe Austin's number one is. 
So, Austin, let's go back to you for number one. You don't want to kick him off? Can if Am you I want. Kick it? You can if you want. Well, I mean, it's I mean, it's it's Bijan. It is it's Bijan, and there we there's there's so much to say about Bijan that I'm going to do a brief aside. Bijan Robinson went to an elite uh, prep school in Arizona. At this, it's about two and a half miles away from the campus of uh, Arizona University, not Arizona State, but the other one, um, the Blue and Red <laughs> School, where Kevin Sumlin coached. Kevin Sumlin's son uh, went to this prep school, and it's a prep school that's known for producing. Um, D- Division One college prospects. Kevin Sumlin's son went to the to the same school at the same time as Bijan Robinson, and Kevin Sumlin didn't like visit the school while Bijan Robinson was a player there. Obviously, didn't get him as a recruit, but it wasn't even a consideration. Kevin Sumlin, what are you doing? What are you doing? Not um, uh, nailing down at least some of those prospects and not visiting the school. I mean, come on. Come on. So um, there's not a lot to say about Bijan Robinson. I think that um, he reminds me of the way that uh, Reggie Bush kind of burst onto the scene for USC. Um, Austin, Reggie Bush was this elite running back back in the early 2000s, before, you know, when you were mm-hmm. a little bit younger. Um, Matt Leinert, USC, they were a powerhouse team. Oh, Lions then. legend, right? Lions legend. Lion, that's you're damn right. One of our one of our few thousand yard rushers in the last ten years. Uh, Red Reggie Bush getting like a thousand five five yards. So that's gotta hurt um, to like say that sentence out loud too, doesn't it? <laughs> what Lions legend Reggie Bush? No, the fact that he's we, like one of the only people to rush for a thousand yards in Detroit Lions history here in the past, whatever <laughs> that's been like, that's just gotta hurt. Mikel Ashore came close. He had like nine hundred and something, but Mikel Ashore would have been great if he did not injure his uh, Achilles as a as a rookie. I'm trying to think of who. I mean, Kevin Jones had had Kevin Jones was a beast. Kevin Jones out of Virginia Tech was an absolute beast. He's one of the Sounds only like players it. that I saw take it to Ray Lewis in that vaunted Ravens um, offense. Just collision. I remember that game, um, and I cannot remember who else has run for a thousand yards right off the top of my head. There's somebody more recently than you know, Reggie here, Bush, but I'll, I'll look for you. Why Austin is is uh, you know talking about his love for Bijan Robinson. Did I think I think Austin already went, didn't he? No, he, I'm, he gave I'm it losing to you. track. Oh, he did. We're about okay. to, this, this podcast is about to go to an hour 30 here because Austin's going to give us like when he was born, how he was, you know, destroying his peewee leagues. And Austin was there one day coaching on the other sideline and all this stuff. Like, it, it, we're going to get into a whole thing here. In fairness, Austin said that Bijan was number one. Now, I mean, you know, he said that the number one rated running back was the number one back in the yeah. class. I mean, it's yeah. not going on that much of a lin, but the intro to this show is me yes. questioning Austin for his takes, and it's going to take me a long time till I build up the confidence to do that again. So, Austin, why don't you talk to us about why Bijan Robinson is number one in your rank? So I just wanted to tell you a little st- – or actually, I'll save this little story for the after show about why I think Kevin Sumlin didn't go to get Bijan Robinson. No, here. no, put it on here. Hell enough? Okay. Yeah, so the podcast audience can hear it. Okay. So I uh, I grew up in central Pennsylvania. I was a soccer player my whole you know uh, childhood, high school career, played in college at a small D3 school. And um, when I was a freshman, there was one of the top soccer recruits in the country was also was from my area. He was also a freshman. His name was Andrew Wenger. He went to Duke and started there for two years and then got drafted in the MLS. I think he plays for Miami now. But 
his uh, or his grandfather was on the board at the school that I went to. And um, when he was a sophomore, his grandfather went to our head soccer coach and he said, hey, my grandson is a good soccer player. He plays in high school around here. Would you like to go watch him? And our coach, you know, was, you know, he said, sure, I'll go to watch whatever game. He went to the game and he sat down and he noticed there were a lot of people there that, you know, were obviously not parents. They were, you know, he is, so he was like, okay, something's going on here. Game starts and the kid that he's there to see is just phenomenal. This kid, this Andrew Wenger kid, he's phenomenal. He's the best player on the field as a true sophomore in high school. Scores a bunch of goals and our coach just leaves at halftime because he's like, there's no way we're ever going to, this kid's going to go to D1. You know, we're never going to get this kid. I imagine that's what happened with Kevin Sumlin. He showed up for a game at that high school and he was like, ah, shit, okay, we're never going to get this kid. And he just left at halftime. He hopped in whatever car and he, did, and he just flew back to school or whatever. And it was over at that point. So that, that is definitely what happened because Bijan is just, was just, you know, a whole different animal in high school. Um, the only other thing I have to add, like he averaged 8.2 yards per carry and 13.1 yards per reception this year as a freshman on some limited touches. And that doesn't sound that's that like sustainable over a college career. Like, you know, it's really cute to say like, well, if you extrapolate that over 13 games, you know, imagine what he's going to do next year in college. But then you go and you look at like the career, you know, yards per carry leaders. And there's been some guys that have put up close to that, like in the last decade. You know, Daryl Henderson averaged 8.2. Melvin Gordon averaged 7.8. Um, Travis Etienne averaged 7.2. Rashad Penny, 7.5. Uh, this guy, Reggie Bush, that you were just talking about, I don't know him, but he, uh, I guess he put up 7.3 at USC. So while he might come down to earth a little bit, I don't think it's absurd in a weak defensive conference for him to average over seven yards a carry his entire career. There. He averaged 18 yards a carry in the bowl game. Yes. 18. Like 18.8 or something like that. So, so I, I like I don't think it's ridiculous to say that, you know, there's that you can extrapolate up to a certain point and still get within a very likely range of outcomes. And that's just what's so exciting about him. And I think he's going to be, you know, uh, I think he has a chance. And I mean, obviously, if an NFL team's smart, they probably don't do this. But I think he goes early or, you know, early mid first round. I think he's just that talented of a football player. You know, he is a I'm close to labeling him as a Saquon level prospect. I need to see a couple more games from him before I can do that. And I'm really hoping that he takes off at the beginning of the season. Bruning, um, why don't you talk about why you have Brees Hall over Bijan Robinson? Uh, so I already did that. So I'll go ahead and give your Detroit Lions thing really quick because I looked at it. So Reggie Bush did it in 2013. Then next was your guy, Kevin Jones, who again, never heard of, who did it uh, in 2004. And Kevin the next Jones was a monster in college and in the UCF, NFL. baby, stand up. UCF. No, he, Kevin Jones is Virginia Tech. You're, t- you're, you're talking about Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. <laughs> Kevin Smith is, then, is broke Barry Sanders' college rushing record. You're right. You're right. Damn. Yeah. And then last was James Stewart, who did it in 2002. And I do he know him. Over, it was the first free agent contract that the Lions gave. Uh, James Stewart was Fred Taylor's longtime backup in Jacksonville before he came to Detroit. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I mentioned it when I talked about Bijan, uh, Brees Hall. From I just think he's going to have a better college career this year. And as I mentioned earlier, I want my running backs into the NFL as quick as possible. So while again, it's literally the smallest of margins between him and and Bijan for me. I'm going to get what I think is going to be a better fantasy season in college this year from Brees Hall, and then I get him in the NFL next year. And I, like I said, don't have as many. I guess 
doubts about him as an NFL running back like you do, I think he's going to be phenomenal with what he can do in the passing game and what he can do as a rusher. I think he's going to be really good in the NFL as well. So I get him on my NFL squad next year. Yeah, I mean, it sucks not getting Bijan, who's going to give you that two years of college production. But I, I feel like there's, again, Austin just mentioned, okay, so Bijan, but then I can get Travion Henderson in the second round, who's now going to give me two years of college production as well. And I got Brees Hall for this year's RB1 and then in the NFL. So for me, it's just a slight edge of Brees Hall because I think he's going to be a, a, a little bit better than, than Bijan this year in college. Austin, can anyone overtake Bijan Robinson in your rankings between now and 2023? I think he would have to have like a catastrophic injury. In my opinion, I just think, you know, we I think we're truly only scratching the surface of Bijan that that bowl game was a preview, in my opinion, or, the, you know, those last two or three games. That was a preview. I think we're going to see more and more of that from him over the coming years. So, no, I don't think anybody can touch it. Let me let me ask one question on that real quick. What if Travion Henderson goes out there and just completely has a trying to think of of who? Because Bijan didn't have a great year this year. What if he goes out there and has like a Brees Hall type season? Say Master T gets hurt again. They're like Henderson, the ball is yours, and he goes out there. Does uh, obviously we know he can catch the ball and is an extremely great runner as well. Puts up a Brees Hall type season for the Ohio State Buckeyes. No the problem is between the two. Is that is that Travion Henderson is is sub two hundred pounds? I mean, he might play at two hundred pounds. Bijan Robinson is two hundred and twenty pounds, and so like that's a a big difference. And so even like let's see all all things being equal, I expect Bijan Robinson to have a great season. And let's say hypothetically that Travion Henderson does also. There's still that twenty pound difference, which makes a difference. I mean, and again, I, my rank at least my rankings are. Um, based on who has the highest NFL upside. And Travion Henderson doesn't have as high an NFL upside because he's still, you know, a lighter player. And so yeah, for, yeah. at least for me, all things being equal, it would still be Bijan. But you Austin, like you like he, those thick boys. I got it. You got it. I got yep. It. Yep. I no, I agree. I agree. He's got that. What does Katie Flower say? That that steak ass that he's got. That's know? right. He's he's just <laughs> built that way, you know. He's he, he's thick. Burning, you can't vote for your own rankings. Who has it right between me and 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 Austin? Uh, Matt does. <laughs> uh, I guess I would. Uh, no, I'd say Austin because I feel like ours are a whole lot closer to this as the same than necessarily yours. I mean, Brees Hall at six is a travesty. You also put who did you put? You put somebody up in there that I'm pretty sure I've never uh, even heard of at some point. So, I'm you, uh, you, I'm, you I'm mean you mean suspicious. um. All right. I don't uh, remember. I don't remember. Let me look. Let me pull up the show sheet really quick. Austin, did you put them in here yet? Yeah, they're all in there. Well, uh, Felix uh, no, you over halfway Zemir through. Zemir, you, you oh, yeah, Samir White. White, Will Shipley. Get out of here. Me and Austin are at least somewhat close on most of our. So I'll give it to Austin because it almost is like my ranking. So Austin, in fairness, I'll give you the same question. You can go ahead and pick Matt. I think they're all like I. There are things that I like about each of yours, and then I dislike about the other. So I think you know I. I, th I think we're all – they're close Austin, enough where it's arguable. But, always mm. the politician. <laughs> well, okay, we're here to hurt democracy. each other's feelings, Austin. Just choose Felix. It's okay. It's okay. I can take it. Let's make this a democracy and turn it over to the audience. We're going to post this on the Twitter page, at Debbie Debate, um, and let us know who you think, uh, whose rankings are most accurate, whose rankings would you rely on in your C2C drafts, all right? Make sure you're paying attention to the Debbie Debate Twitter page. We're going to have an announcement on Monday. 
So you want to be following us. You want to hear what's going on. So make sure you're paying attention for an announcement Monday. It's going to be some exciting news. Pay attention. Anything else before we close out the show, boys? I got nothing. Yes, we do. All right. That's going to be our show for tonight. You can find our written content on your local AM stations. Follow the show at Debbie Debate on Twitter. Please go to iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We promised to get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning, for Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.